History is history. And it's time. It's just time that I, I, I love this, this uh, dedicated time because I use black history, February. I use it to expand my awareness to, to massage my heart and my sensibilities to imagine my life in other time periods, to imagine others like Mother Harriet in this time period, to simply engage myself, um, my awareness around what has happened, what is happening, and what else is possible. That is a lie for each and every one of us in the back of the room, every week this month, our beautification team has, our beautification circle has put together a black history display. So the, um, the first week, it was about education. The second week, last week, it was art, art and entertainment. This week, it's athletes. And there's a lovely um, black history display the photograph of which you see on the screen right now if you're viewing us from home. And we also have this raffle just to have some fun and help us focus our attention. And so every Monday, a question is posed from a question that draws from my talk on Sunday. And you ha if you want to play the game, so last week the question was, What two reasons did Ona Judge give for wanting to escape enslavement? And the answers we were looking for are one, she wanted to be free, and two, some variation of this, of this complete idea. 
that she was determined to never be the slave of Martha Washington's granddaughter. Okay, so we are, you have until Friday, so, the, so this one's already closed, that's why I'm giving you the answer today. So out of today's message, there'll be a question posted tomorrow, and you have until noon on Friday to post your correct answer, and again, I'm just going to ask you to use one email, one name, one email. This is my tribe, so I know we got a variety of names that we use and a variety of emails. I'm going to ask you to just make it easy for us. Use one name just for this month. Just use one name and one email. And then after that, do you. So, um, okay. So, um, look, on the first, Sunday, the, the first Sunday of Black History, um, we say, the ensemble sang, keep your eyes on the prize, hold on. And there's a line in the song that I've been reminding us of each week, that the way that Sweet Honey in the Rock sings it at least, the line in the lyric is, the only thing we did wrong, we stayed in the wilderness a day too long. And I play that back in my mind because I'm aware of all of the times we are living in the activated field of infinite possibility, but we don't recognize it. And it looks like something we used to go through. It looks like something that triggers us in fearful ways. It looks like a warning to not go. If, however, we focus our attention, our full sensibilities, and you know, I've been talking um, all of this year. <laughs> all of this year, that law. <laughs> focus this year on developing our intuition, honing our sensibilities, so that we are seeing beyond looking. So that we are listening beyond hearing. So that we are feeling deeply and in touch with our intuition. So that we are expanding, building, honing our imagination. There's no way to do this work that I'm calling you to do, that we are called to do. This is me calling you out. In order to do what we're up to for this year, for transforming our lives, no one will be able to do it if they have not engaged their imagination. And I believe, I'm just going to go on record, that there's no one who has done what we consider miraculous. You know, we, we always, wherever we are, we have Mother Harriet featured prominently because she is the representation for us, one of the many representations of doing it anyway, of looking beyond the law. And when I say the law, I mean man-made restrictions. You can't go here. You can't do that. You're not the one. We, this year, more so than ever before, we are beginning to practice and know that that is not a real barrier. It can be, but only for those who sign up to have it be a barrier. So this year, we are doing whatever it takes to expand our sensibilities on absolutely every level, keeping what? Our eye on the prize, holding on to knowing something more and challenging ourselves to not stay in the wilderness, in the untruth, to not live in the lie, to not live outside of the field of infinite possibility one millisecond longer than we must. Now, we can't move till we know we can move. Let's be clear. You cannot perform outside of your awareness. The key is, which is why we're gathered here today, 
and why we take the classes and why we show up for, for IJ and prayer and all of the things offered is because we want to expand beyond our current awareness. And we know that, you know, our current awareness is just, it's all right for wherever we are in the moment. But unless we are absolutely signed up to stay there, consciously and intentionally, like I like yesterday so much, I'm just going to do the yesterday <laughs> for all of March. <laughs> you know, now, if that's where you are, go on with that. But if you like, well, yesterday, that was cool, and then I say you're at the right place. Because we're not casting dispersions on yesterday. We just, yesterday has its place. And we're going to place it in its proper place because what is yesterday? And today has a whole other thing. Robert, you said that in the prayer, that today is a new day. And so we are all about the newness and the possibility that is presented to us that yesterday empowered us to see more clearly. Because there's some stuff that you can't see till you go through something. So yesterday gave us entree to today in a new way. I'm, I'm okay. All right. All right. Look at here. Look at here. I, I want to, I want to kind of catch us up a little bit. I want to catch me up to what we've, what we've been up to and what we're up to right now. Okay. Now. All right. I just have to do it manually, I suppose. Um, as you make your bed, so must you lie in it. Now, many of us grew up hearing that adage, and some of us took it more to heart than others. Where some of us really, and I was one of those, that I just felt like, oh, this is just, which is why I needed this teaching, desperately, to free me from that sense of that I must suffer. I'm fortunate that I no longer believe that. Come on, the water's fine. Get on in in here. <laughs> that we don't have to suffer and just continue to wear the grave clothes. <sighs> Look at here. Back in January, <laughs> so much has happened since then in my life. <laughs> you just have to forgive me. It feels like I'm talking about history. You know, I, st I started sharing with you what I found to be these amazing commercials that Weight Watchers had come up with. And what I just want to remind you of is that it, to me, you know, I'm forever baking baklava, I think. You know, I'm just layering these, these nuanced ideas, or at least that's, my in that's what I think I'm doing. I think I'm coming to you often with nuanced ideas. I don't think I'm ever coming in y'all with nothing new, but I'm simply putting things together in a way that I think, well, that has been beneficial for me. And when I share them with others, others have acknowledged that it's beneficial, so now I'm just sharing it more broadly. All right, so get on board here. But look, in these Weight Watchers commercials, it's the return department. And I love it because, you see, I'm layering that with this, with this notion of that you do not have to lie in a bed that you know is no longer your bed. It ain't right for you. Put it out at the curb. Sell it on eBay, Craigslist, do whatever you need to do. But you do not, you no longer have to lie in a bed that you know. And it's a metaphor for living a life that you know is not your life, but it's a life that you got started in some time ago or that somebody thought you should or that somebody's coaching you and encouraging you to continue to lie in the bed because you, what? No. And there's a point at which, as I say it now, that seems crazy. But there was a time when it was the guidance in my life. It was what I chose for myself. And my sense is that for many of us, when we look back, we're like, Lord. Those of us who, who um, have some years <laughs> of experience are grateful 
that social media did not exist when we were young. Now that's an amen opportunity right there. Now there's some young folks who do not know what we're talking about, but we know to be grateful. We know to be grateful that there is not a click possible where they can see you then. <laughs> yes. Oh, because can you imagine living in the fear that you're a click away? I'm erasing that as even an idea because I want y'all's attention up here and not going to, oh, Lord, just a click away? Who? And for those of you for whom that's not real because you're young enough that most of your life is now on social media, bless your heart. I, you know, all I can tell you is from now on, just know you being recorded. I'm just, I just got to say, so this idea with, with Weight Watchers that wore me out is that they, they have the, um, the return department. And, and what's happening here is, is using this idea of diet resolutions. Well, you don't make a resolution unless you are moving towards change. So there's already an awareness. But we've never thought that there was a place where we could get rid of the old thing. And I love that sense of actualizing and, and, and externalizing, giving us, because we're already working our imagination, so now they're giving us a picture so we can imagine ourselves taking some stuff back, bagging some stuff up and leaving it. Can I bring this here? Can I return the guilt and fear? And they take it in the commercial. You see what I'm saying? So for some of us, you want to be selectively pliable. Selectively pliable. So that there are some ideas where you just fall right into the deep end of the pool. Like, yes that. There's some stuff that I'm about to give back. That fear, that doubt, that self-doubt. Bag that mess up. Take it somewhere. Can I return the self-doubt? And they always say yes. So imagine that you have taken the self-doubt someplace and presented it in a bag and they say, we got it, you go on. That right there. That right there is worth it. So kudos to Weight Watchers. I don't know what they were doing, but let me tell you what I did with what they did. And this is what I'm saying, selectively pliable. Take that. Now, I don't care whether you ever call Weight Watchers or click on, I didn't do none of that. But Lord knows I used that idea. I was like, what? Let me bag up some stuff that's in my way and deliver it someplace. See, I never knew that there was a place to take it. It just kept sitting in the way, showing up when I least expected and wanted it to be there. Ooh, Lord. Then I also talked about my 600-pound life. And I know that confused some of y'all. And all I can say is get to know me better because there's going to be more of that. And the idea for me with my 600-pound life is I realized that I was dragging around 800 pounds myself. Now, I'm not wearing it in my physical form, but I'm wearing it in my psyche. It's in the way of decisions I want to make and choices, options. It's showing up, and so somewhere in there, and I tried searching for who said this, and I can't find it, so let me just give it to you. Here's what I heard. I'm not stuck anymore. Everything is a possibility now. This is somebody who started out over 600 pounds, and they had begun losing. And then they, they came to themselves, and they just, now they hadn't lost all, they were not at their perfect weight yet, but they were in the process. And what I love about that is this reminds us that you don't have to be at your destination. You do not have to have already accomplished the goal, but you got to know. You see, this is why your imagination is key. Because whoever it was, was, was still living a big life in the physical, but knew that they were not stuck anymore. Now, in the moment that the person said it, as you looked at them, you might have, if you didn't understand what was going on on the inside, you might say, yeah, you are. 
But that's because you didn't understand what was happening. You see, it's an inside job. You can't tell by looking. You cannot tell by looking. Everything is a possibility now, the person said. And it meant that they were living from a new place. They had been living in stuckness. They were now living in the sense of everything is a possibility now. You have to put your shoulders back, don't you? You can't even say that from the slouched position, from the defeated energetic. You got to, huh. Yes. There's a whole other posture required for that. I want to remind you that Elisa Garza, who co-founded Black Lives Matters, challenges us to see ourselves as black futurists. She says specifically that she sees February instead of Black History Month, she sees it as Black Futures Month. And I love that. I love that because, you, well, for me, I, you know, I'm still going to give some historical perspective, perspective, and yet I want us grounded in what's possible. What's possible? She says that black communities have always been futurist. Come on, Mother Harry. There's not a one person in our, uh, in our video that was, isn't a futurist. All of the folks that, that we look to for guidance and mentorship, and they're futurists. They're seeing beyond. This is why it's essential that we hone our, our abilities, our sensibilities, our, our, our ability to feel more deeply. You know, our theme is trusting divine guidance. Is that not feeling? How are you going to know in that moment? Is this divine guidance? Or is this my self-doubt? Because sometimes, if you're confused, they feel the same. I had money for every time somebody told me spirit told them. I'm like, mm, that sounds just like you to me. But I'm all right. I'm all right. Look at here. So it's our ability to, to listen more deeply, to hear beyond the noise, and listen more deeply to, to spirit's guidance, to see beyond our ocular system. We're going someplace, but we must have these skills. We must, if nothing else, if you can't feel it, if you're like, you know, in the meditation, in the, in the, the, guy, the opportunity to, to visualize, if you're like, mm, I'm not seeing that, the, the waterfall and the golden cord, now I'm not seeing, mm, don't worry about it. I'm not hearing what you say here. I'm not sensing any of the things. I'm going to need you to imagine it. Because I'm saying that you don't get to quit just because you haven't tapped in there yet. We are honing it. I'm not expecting that any of us has all of this already done. But we're honing it. We're not going to do imagination instead of in addition to. But you got to get in where you fit in. So if you're not seeing it yet... Imagine it. The thing isn't working out the way you want. You're in court. Your, your, your son, daughter, niece, what, nephew, whatever it is, is has a, caught a case. And you are stuck in the energetic of it. You're going to have to imagine another outcome. Because I get that everything you read and everything you hear is saying X, Y, Z. But X, Y, Z is not the intended outcome. You're going to have to imagine an ABC outcome. It's on you. you. You no longer, because you're here today or because you tuned in whenever you saw this, you now, oh, Lord, now it's on you. You no longer get to go to the default place of that's just how it is. Tank so somebody in the room said exactly. 
you are now responsible for imagining another outcome, another situation, another circumstance. I remember younger, being younger and applying for different positions and so forth. I only worked for one corporation my, other than my, my, uh, in my dad's haberdashery, but other than that, my whole career was with the phone company for 30, over, just over 30 years, and, but still different positions. And I remember sometimes, you know, kind of sweating the interview or the role play or whatever it was that, that gave one entree. And then I do remember that I began to imagine that even if I had written something wrong, that they could read my heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? That I really got to the point through this teaching where I said, okay, I may not have gotten that right in the literal sense, but what the person reading will read was what I meant. And I did it for my own peace. Because my little mind kept trying to go over the thing over and over, and I knew I couldn't live like that. I knew that energy, the very energy of that circular, defeatist thinking was going to undo whatever good I had done. So I thought, that cannot be my energy. It cannot. And so the way I cleaned it up for me was I just imagined that whoever it is, I don't know if they needed new lenses or what it was, but what I wrote was not necessarily what they saw. What they saw was the whole package. And I said it both ways, because I said, if this is not for me, then whatever I wrote, that ain't it. Don't put me in a position that I'm not supposed to have. That's not for my highest and best. So it cuts both ways. If it's for me, then lift me into it. Let me get out of my own way. If it's not for me, block that mess uh, in the most spiritual way. <laughs> Just, you know, take that off the plate. Don't have me up in there doing something that is not mine to be doing. Okay. So look, last week I shared with you about Ona Judge Staines. And I shared with you that um, she was interviewed by one of the, the black free papers, the Granite Freeman. And the interviewer, Reverend Thomas Archibald, asked her, and this is how, this is that question that we asked for the raffle, that he asked her about her decision to seize freedom. And she gave the two answers that I shared with you. What I didn't share with you that I want to today is that George Washington, who was her master, he enslaved her, she was his wife's in, uh, inheritance as a widow. Here's what I want to talk about today is the planning, the requirement for the awareness, the intentional activity both mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical. What we know from George Washington's ledgers is that between 1793 and 1796, now Ona, who they called Oni in the household often, was a house slave mulatto, and that often, when I say that, you, that makes sense now, if you understand how field and house was operated, that most often it is written historically that the lighter-skinned folks were in the house and more darker-skinned, if typically, not in every case. So she's in the house, and, they, you know, they dress them because he's the president, or going to be, and so there's a look, etc. Here's what I want to get to, is that in those three years, from 1793 to 1796, the ledger documents there were six orders for new shoes for her. 
I'm waiting for you to catch up. She was leaving. She's going to need shoes. I just, I see, I need you to see that this is not new. Because we are not steeped in a detailed history, a history of Africans in, this, in these United States. Because we're not steeped in it, we don't get the nuances. You can't. You can barely get the broad strokes. But we get to pull over and park for just a moment. In three years, six pair of shoes. Now, I told you last week that before she left, she gave friends some of her stuff. I know shoes was in the stuff. And I, I wanted to start today with this awareness of having a plan, having a certainty, having a mindset, a clear mindset of setting up what, what do I need to do? What's my part? in order to have this. Sometimes this is the missing piece. You have the intention, you got the vision board, and all, but you haven't done, you haven't taken no steps. You haven't dotted no I's, haven't crossed no T's, haven't given nobody your stuff. You haven't begun to, up. see, you don't give folks your stuff until you imagine how it needs to work. When you begin to imagine, okay, I'm going to have to, how am I, I can't walk out of here with all my stuff. Oh, I'm going to give, because I can get it out, but I have to have a plan. I can't get it out that night while they're eating dinner. I can just walk away then because nobody's paying any attention because I'm walking away looking like I always look. Going to my stuff. Yes? Okay. Oh, yeah. oh. Yes, 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 yes. This is us. See, I know it sounds like we're back in the 1700s. <coughs> but this is us. Where are you going? What's the evidence that you're really going? There has, if you're going, there has to be something. Think about your life. Start planning or something. Somebody get to free whatever. You're going to go. You start putting stuff away. You're going to buy a little something. You're going to... Why is that the exception? In your life right now, there's something that's calling you. What's the step you're taking towards that? See? Thank you. Thank you, Valerie Joy and Brannis and Felicia. Just, yes, what was that? When I love myself just the way I am, I can free my power wherever I am. And when I decide to change my mind, get a new paradigm, let my love grow and grow. You better write some lyrics, boy. Yes. Because, and the reason I asked that he sing that today is because I feel like, well, first of all, I think life has a soundtrack, you know, and it varies based on what's going on in your life, what's there. But I feel like our ancestors had one. You know, I breathe life into it myself. I feel like they didn't just get up and start doing just the right thing. I feel like there's a song on their heart. And I don't know what song it was, but it could have been these lyrics, yes. Yes, that put together in their own way that it'd be like, how are you going to sing that and just lay out? <laughs> you know, if you sing that, you, something's coming to you. There'll be a moment when you know, I got to move with this. I, I'm going to answer that call that I typically ignore. Or I'm going to take a chance with this. Or I'm going to do this. And because you know that when you make your bed, you do not have to lie in it, you can go, oops. And call for a redo. And do whatever it is that absolutely fits in. Yes? Yes. So look. <laughs> Alicia Garza. 
because of the way the rules have been rigged against our communities, we've been forced to imagine a new future with possibilities for freedom. I love that because it's where I'm living, imagining a new future with possibilities for freedom in our education system, in our judicial system. It, you know, I just, the list goes on. It just occurred to me, Andrea, that you cannot just stand here and list all the places. <laughs> it's just all in all, yes, isn't it? Isn't it? So our theme, of course, is, is adventures in faith. We're trusting divine guidance. You, you, I want you to feel how that's put together. We're on an adventure in faith, and we are trusting divine guidance. That's how we're getting through. We're trusting. We're honing. We're growing. We're expanding. We're accepting our intuition, our imagination, so that we can have a clearer sense, a beneficial, a more beneficial sense of what time it is on our personal planet. Because we're always making that up, discerning what that means. Oh, you see, that's karma. Because mm, not mm. Decide what you believe in. And here, it's all right. If you decide that it's karma when it works for you, and when it doesn't work for you, you're busy cleaning it up. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? You, you must live in what works for you. So now I don't, you can't be out telling people that because that don't make no sense. But as you are working out the living of it, you do your best. Because if you start affirming karma, that cuts both ways. You go have, at some point, you're going to be talking to you in a new way. So rather than get yourself there ill prepared to handle that, don't commit to it in that same way. Robert Louis Stevenson said this, and I only know he said this because Dr. Dan said he said it in, <laughs> in his book, Guidance for a Spiritual Journey. That's, that's how I know he said it. He said, to be what we are and to become what we are capable of becoming is the only end of life. That's the intention. To be what you are right now and, hear the end, to become what we are capable of becoming. Because I say to you, from my heart to yours, I love you exactly as you are. And you're going to have to change. <laughs> or stop drawing breath. Because the purpose of continuing to draw breath is evolution. And what is evolution but another word for change? It's a specific kind of change. And so this idea of being what we're capable of being means that we must engage all of our sensibilities. We are right back there, yes. We're imagining, what can I become? Because you don't know. What can, what can we become, Mother Harriet? Now, see, y'all may not already have a practice of talking to Mother Harriet and other ancestors. And you may not want one, but I got one. Because I know I don't know. And on one level, no, I do. I almost said I don't really care where the answer comes from, but I do. That's why I only ask certain people. <laughs> that with a track record, yes, that I want to draw from it. Now, a wise person would say, well, whatever answer you hear her offer, you know that's your answer from inside. That's you, you know, that's your voice in her cadence <laughs> or however you worked it out. And I'm all right with that because I know there's a knower that's knowing through me how Seneva I work it out. And I'm all right with that. So look, <clears throat> historically, I am sharing with you today five daring escapes from slavery. And I'm sharing these five because I believe they, they fit right in with what we're talking about today. This idea that has everything to do with planning, 
with setting an intention, with imagining, with, with honing your sensibilities in a way that you can't know that. And, and some of these, when I read them, they kind of curl my already curled hair. Because I think about, oh my goodness, what if I were in that situation? Could I do it? Or would I be back explaining to people why it didn't work? I mean, I don't know. For real, for real, I don't know. Because some of the situations are so scary that I just think I would just be a wet mess. Between sweating and otherwise. You know what I'm saying? And, and would I... Would I be able to pull it off? Oh, here we go. The first one, easy peasy, Frederick Douglass. We know that in his escape, he literally boarded a train bound north. He was disguised in a sailor's uniform that his future wife, Anna Murphy, Murray, excuse me, had uh, given him. He carried a free sailor's protection pass loaned to him by an accomplice. Now, he didn't look anything like the picture on it, though. So... Um, <laughs> when the conductor came to collect the tickets and check the black passenger's paper, he was nearly overcome, he said himself, with trepidation. He said, my whole future depended upon the decision of this conductor. Luckily for Douglas, the man only gave the phony sailor's pass a cursory glance before moving on to the next passenger. But here's what I need you to know. He still presented it. it See, we, some of us, we, we'd have lost right there. We'd have gone, oh, shoot. Yeah, but he still presented it, even though he knew it. The man looked at it and looked at him. Nerves of steel. Can, can, you, can you go with me on this? Okay. Uh, he'd endure even more close calls. As he made his way north, he encountered an old acquaintance on a riverboat and was nearly spotted by a ship captain he once worked for. You know, all of this, all of these are points for, for people who have not imagined the outcome, haven't played it out in their hearts and minds. You give up. There's so many opportunities and nobody would fault you. Too many of us live our lives out of, will anybody fault me? Can I gather a consensus around, yeah, you should have quit? Come on, own it if it's yours. If you can get three people to agree with you that that was too hard and you shouldn't have had to do that, then you out. But for some, come on, Mother Harriet, help me out with this. For some, that's not enough. They're still going to go the full distance. Yes? Okay, Harriet Jacobs. You know, I've, I've given the talk with the two Harriets, Harriet Tubman and Harriet Jacobs. So we already know that escaping slavery for her meant hiding for several years in a prison of her own devising. So she's in a crawl space above her grandmother's ceiling for seven years. <clears throat> initially, she fled the plant, excuse me, initially in 1835, she fled the plantation and briefly hid in some friends' homes. She said knowing her chances of making it to the north were slim, she eventually holed up in that crawl space. So she went back to her grandmother's and just hid. I need you to hear all the pieces because there's a moment in that when you get out there and you realize I've, this ain't going to work. Do you give up or do you hide away for seven years in the crawl space? See, I don't know. The group gets smaller pretty quickly, doesn't it? How many would be in the seven years? In the, I mean, I know none of us know, but I know for sure it's not all of us. Unless we're doing the work that has us seeing ourselves free, so we cannot be anything but that. I don't know if you heard me. That there's a moment, see, if you can see yourself being enslaved still, then you probably make another decision. And I'm not judging the decision. I'm simply saying we have options. We have lots of possibilities, right, Reverend Andy? Yes. Okay, 
So seven years there, she made her, her escape in 1842. A friend helped her secure passage on a boat, and off she goes. And then we know about this because she wrote the incidents in a sl slave girl's life. All right, number three on my list here, William and Ellen Craft. We've talked about them before because this is sheer creativity. Ellen and William are married, but they are owned by two different plantation owners. And often what happens for folks in, in these narratives is something happens that alerts them and threatens their vision. So they have a vision of, we one day going to be together, and, and, and something happens. Just like for Ona Judge, when it was time for them to go back to Virginia, because her six they're six months, you know, if they stayed, now I'm talking about Ona Judge and with um, George Washington and Ma George and Martha Washington in Philadelphia. The law at that time in Philadelphia was, if you had if a slave, an enslaved person was there for six months continuously, they had to be set free. So what the Washingtons would do was keep them there for five months and 26 days, and off they'd go to Virginia for a minute, and then they'd bring them back, and the clock would start again. So that was the game that they played for some six years at least with this. And so she knew what our opportunity was. They were going to take her back there, and of course you never knew. What would happen once you got there? Because things could change. They could leave you with the granddaughter who was going here at you. Anyhow, all of those things could happen. So here we have William and Ellen Craft, and they were terrified of being separated. This is them telling their own story. So here's the plan that they put together. Ellen is light-skinned, so she cut her hair short. She dressed herself in men's clothing and wrapped her head in bandages to pose as an injured white man. Her husband, William, assumed the role of her loyal black manservant. So they donned their disguises and boarded a train to begin the long journey north. The scheme seemed doomed from the very start when Ellen found herself, this is the one that I almost wet my britches, thinking about me in this situation, found herself sitting next to a close friend of her master. But her elaborate costume prevented her from being recognized. I need to say this. Next week, I think this is, is more core, more central to my message. But when you live in a culture that is set up as ours has been, as this, out of this peculiar institution, white folks are not paying no attention to you anyhow. They're not paying enough attention to distinguish that it's you. But you only know that when you test it. <laughs> so that don't get you off. You only know that when you test it. You have to sit there and not wet up the whole train car. You see, I'm just trying to keep it real, right? Okay. Because part of me feels like, you know, on the low end of the scale, I'd be discovered because I'd be the one who wet the train. But on the high end, I would build a new bladder. Sitting right there. They might turn and say, are you breathing? Because <laughs> I, I don't think I'd be taking not a breath. <laughs> but I think we do what our ancestors did, which was whatever was required. I just, okay? So they spent the next several days traveling by train and steamer through the south. Since she could not read or write, she placed her arm in a sling to avoid having to sign tickets and papers. Wait, though. Her ruse was nearly found out when the Charleston steamer clerk refused to sell the pair of their tickets without a signature. Luckily, for the crafts, the captain of the previous ship happened to pass by and agreed to sign for her. I mean, that close. You see what I'm saying? So they arrived in Philadelphia on Christmas Day and were sheltered, and she, they went on to write, <clears throat> excuse me, about their escape. That, in these cases, the only way we know. Imagine all the ones that we never will know because there's no record. 
but these are folks who gave their narrative. Okay, Robert Smalls, incredible flight to freedom began in 1862. He's working as a wheelman aboard the Confederate steamer, CSS Planter in Charleston, South Carolina, and when the Planter's white crew took an unauthorized shore leave in the early hours of May 13th, he and several accomplices sprang into action. Now that pr that's sounding pretty spontaneous if you're not paying no attention at all. But there's no way you spring into action taking a ship if you don't have no plan or no vision. At least not successfully. I'm sure you could do it. But in his case, he, he wore it out. Do you understand me? So he put on the captain's coat and hat. And, of course, he knew the ship and the, the harbor like the back of his hand. He's able to give the proper signals to win safe passage by Fort Sump <coughs> Sumter. Excuse me. <coughs> Pardon me. So once out of the Confederate guns firing range, he poured on the speed and made a mad dash for the Union blockade. Arriving under the white flag of surrender, the crew of runaways joyously offered up their ship to the U.S. Navy. Uh, it says, he said, he said, good morning, sir, he shouted to the astonished captain, because they were not expecting no, black, no ship of black folks. <laughs> I have brought you some of the old United States guns, sir, he said to them. So he and fellow escapees were held as heroes in the North, and ultimately he helped recruit as many as 5,000 blacks for the Union war effort and served as a pilot, and then later the captain of, a pla of the planter. And um, after the war, he returned to South Carolina and bought his former master's house. And he went on to serve several terms in the U.S. House of Representatives. So we only know that because he told it. You, you see what I'm saying? But I'm giving you the power of a plan, even in an environment where somebody would say, why are you planning to do that? You ain't going to make that. You're not likely to find the group of folks you would require to get consensus that you ought to lay your life and others always on the line in order to do it. Most of us bring up, it brings up way too much fear intrepidation. And this is feel the fear and do it anyway. Lastly, <clears throat> one of my favorites, because this is just, you, this is the one that proves imagination. This is Henry Brown. After his wife and children were sold and shipped away to another state in 1848, Virginia-born Henry Brown resolved to escape slavery by any means necessary. So with the help of a free black and a white shopkeeper, he hatched a desperate plan to ship himself from Richmond to Philadelphia in a wooden crate. So in March of 1849, he wedged himself into a three-by-two-foot box labeled dry goods and settled in for a long journey via wagon, steamboat, and railroad to the home of abolitionist James Miller McKim. He only had a few biscuits and some water as supplies. During one leg of the trip, his crate was placed upside down on the deck of a steamship. He was left sitting on his head for 90 minutes. <clears throat> now, you know, he doesn't, nobody knows if it was 90 minutes. It was for a good while. <clears throat> I just want to be clear. His eyes were swelling as if they would burst from their sockets. He nearly passed out, he said, before two unsuspecting passengers flipped the box over to use it as a seat. He arrived safely in Philadelphia after 27 grueling hours inside the cramped confines of the box. He became a minor celebrity in uh, New England um, and lived there until the passage of the Fugitive Slave Act in 1850, and he was no longer safe there then. And then he went to Great Britain, and there he hosted a stage act that documented his escape. He returned to the States in 1875 and worked as a magician. Now, you know he earned that. As part of each show, he would climb into the same wooden crate that once carried him to freedom. You know, you, you, you can't make this up. But I want it, I want it imprinted on my psyche. Because sometimes there's a moment when I cannot imagine how, how am I going to get this done? How can I? 
And then I think of some of these folks. And I think that whatever barrier in my thinking is, is just insufficient. I cannot, it's like a, um, it's a disservice to the ancestors to let this little inconvenience stop me. And instead to look at Dr. Dan in his um, work for tomorrow, February 20th, Beauty or Bondage. He says, beauty is the spirit of God in activity. That which is to be found through the application of the principles of truth in our lives. Since life always develops what we give it, what we habitually believe ourselves to be, it is of the greatest importance that we identify ourselves with the inner spiritual person instead of the outer material person. And that we affirm the spiritual beauty of our being instead of its material bondage. He says, he goes on to say that we need only to realize the innate spiritual perfection in order to bring into manifestation the perfect physical person living in a perfect environment and free of bondage. When you have this beauty of soul, you will find that the world turns aside to let the person pass who knows where they're going. Did we not see evidence of that in every one of those examples? The ability to make up your mind gives you inner power and commands the respect of others. I'm not stuck anymore. Everything is possible. We know our brother, Reverend Andy, wrote a song that nothing is impossible because we know we had a CD available after service and online. Part of the lyric is nothing's impossible with spirit. With love, everything is possible. If you don't remember anything else from today, know that nothing is impossible. That everything is possible for the one who believes. To repeat, I am going to continually call myself in remembrance today. I am going to continually call myself in remembrance today. Broad indeed is the carpet which God has spread. And many are the colors which he has given it. Whatever road I take joins the highway that leads to God. I am knowing. Closer is he than breathing. And nearer than hands and feet. My meditation, today My meditation today is a reminder that I can never be separated from God. Because I am an expression of God. The very self-livingness of God. I stop thinking of myself as a created being. God is God. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, yes. And so for our closing prayer, it felt appropriate to me to use the prayer of faith. God is my help in every need. God does my every hunger feed. God walks beside me, guides my way through every moment of the day. I now am wise, I now am true, patient, kind, and loving too. All things I am, can do, and be through Christ the truth 
that is in me. God is my health. I can't be sick. God is my strength, unfailing quick. God is my all. I know no fear since God and love and truth are here. Oh, how good and very good it is to know this truth. To bring it into the center of our beingness today. To walk with it all week, all month, all year. To know and accept it as so. I simply seal this now in gratitude, in thanksgiving, in divine acceptance. I let it be. Releasing this into the perfect activity of law, I accept it as so, forever and ever and always. And I seal it by simply saying, Ashe. Amen. And so it is. Yes, yes. Love matters.